<laughs> All right, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Um, it is a pleasure to be with you on this uh, snowy day. And uh, it's beautiful outside, eh? Yes. I mean, it's, I, I love walking through the snow and, you know, have it trickle down and rest on you and gently, but then it's soft enough where you can <laughs> create a snow globe scene in school. All right, so um, guys, it is good to um, be with you today. And um, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Roland. I'm the lead pastor here. And it's a privilege to uh, be sharing the word of God with you. Um, what we're doing today is we're continuing our series, which we began at the beginning of the year, <laughs> which is which is miracles, let him be known. Miracles, let him be known. Miracles, let him be known. And what we're doing is not just preaching this um, as a series in our local church here at Second City, but what we're also doing is we're um, joining with our brothers and sisters around the globe. Um, because what we are is a um, local church, but we're part of a greater church planting network uh, that um, preaches, outreaches, teaches, called Every Nation. And um, what we're doing is actually through this next several weeks, we're preaching the same series. So all around the world, people are hearing this same message of Jesus, his salvation, his miracles, his power, and we're believing God together for such things. And so um, last week, what we did is we um, talked about the second part of um, the miracle series. And today what we're going to do is go into the third of John's accounts of miracles of Jesus in the book of John, the gospel of John. Um, and we're going to talk about his healing of a paralyzed man. We're going to talk about the healing of a paralyzed man. Is this better? Yeah, okay. Okay, great. So what we're, um, what we're doing today is, um, oh, excuse me. We're having a wardrobe change. <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, so what we're, um, what we're doing today is we are um, actually going into the healing of the par um, paralyzed man with this focus statement that God sometimes performs miracles to deliver people from the consequences of their sins. In essence, this is what God has done in raising Jesus from the dead. That they actually Jesus going to the cross and his resurrection from the dead were unto this end. And it's good news because that miracle saved all of our lives. Amen? So the literal miracles of God are meant to, at times, deliver people from the consequences of their sin. Now, when we're reading this story, I'm going to give you context first. And then we're also going to not just go into context, but the application for the man in the story, how it applies to us, and then what we're ultimately to do with it. Um, but let's start with the uh, scripture, starting in John chapter 5, if you have a Bible today. It says this, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which means, <clears throat> I'm sorry, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And I'll say that again. Jesus asked him a question. Do you want 
to be healed. Interesting question for anybody who's ever dealt with anything physically, especially before, right? Because if you know that you have something physical that you're dealing with and you need uh, physical healing, of course you want to be healed, right? It saps your energy, it saps your strength, it saps your vigor in life. But Jesus nonetheless asked him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jew said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in, that pl um, in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And so all of a sudden, we can all identify with this particular passage because whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually, we've all been in a place before where we felt paralyzed. Anybody at all can identify with that, where you just felt stuck in life. It's like you knew where you were going to go. You knew where God called you to go. You knew what God called you to be and what God called you to walk in, the freedom that he called you to walk in in, him, in Christ Jesus. But internally, we were stuck. And if you've not felt that way before, you've known somebody who has been like that. How many people know that that is just the result of sin in this world? It is the result of sin in this world. And what we see is in John's gospel, he's, he's addressing this for all mankind. Because John's gospel transcends any one historical setting. While he most likely wrote the gospel from Ephesus, which was the most important urban center at the time, he wrote to both Jew and Gentile alike. And we know this because even in the scripture, he was sensitive enough to translate the Aramaic into Greek, right? He's saying, listen, I don't want just people who are already exposed to this or familiar with it to know what Jesus is offering or what he's talking about. I want it to be available to the whole world because Jesus would be Savior first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, right? He would come to be Savior of the entire world. And what we see is he's meeting this man at this place called Bethesda, which ultimately means house of mercy, that's what the word means. It's a house of mercy. And whenever Jesus is calling us to himself, ultimately that's where he's calling us. He's calling to meet us in a house of mercy, in a place where he doesn't treat us as we deserve, but in fact he gives us his grace. It's a good news of grace where he treats us because of his sinless life, his miracles, his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection from the dead. He treats us as we don't deserve. And so John's gospel's theme is that Jesus is ultimately the promised Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing in Jesus, one can have eternal life in his name. And so this encounter ultimately takes place in the first half of John's gospel, and it was a section referred to as the Book of Signs. 
Now, you heard me talk about the fact last week that the reason that John, as opposed to the synoptic gospels, whenever Jesus was working a miracle, didn't just talk about it as miracles that he was working, but he called them over and over again signs. It's because of the fact that he was acting as an evangelist, saying these signs, these miracles are pointing to the fact that Jesus is the one we were waiting for. That Jesus is the one to come. That Jesus is the promised Messiah. And that through these signs, it's part of him validating his messianic identity. And when we're talking about the messianic identity, all we're talking about is the fact that Jesus came to be Savior both to Jew and Gentile alike. And so this miracle is recorded in the first half of the seven signs. And these uh, miracles in particular were to show his messianic power. Now, the festival cycle is what we're entering into, but let me just actually break down the context of how John describes this encounter. Whenever he's describing this encounter with Jesus, it's interesting that he goes not just into the man's need, but he goes into the encounter with Jesus, and then ultimately he goes into how Jesus responds to how he heals him. And he says something interesting at the end that gives us a picture for contextualizing what we should understand about its beginning. Whenever Jesus heals him and then meets him later and says, now stop sitting, lest something worse happen to you. That's an interesting statement, is it not? Stop sitting, lest something worse happen to you. And what we know is that when we are physically in need or we are dealing with issues in our lives, we're not saying it's always because of sin, but how many people know that sometimes it can be? The issues that you're dealing with in life, the paralysis that you're feeling in life, it's not just that we're a physically or emotionally or a mentally broken people. It's the fact that there is sin in our lives that has actually led to the problems that we're experiencing right now. And I know that uh, as a young man, I was always quick to blame somebody else when I got in trouble. Anybody like me? Okay, you always were looking for a scapegoat. I had a younger sister. Many of you have uh, met her uh, here in the church service. She's online right now. I tell you know, but I was always quick to point the finger in class or point the finger at somebody else and say, "Well, it wasn't my fault," right? Yes, I just broke that very expensive object in your home, but it was probably your dog who, like, knocked it over. They're like, we have no dog. Then it was probably your cat, right? And so it's like I was always trying to push the blame on somebody else, trying to get out of the issues that I was ultimately going to be dealing with. But when Jesus is talking to us and saying, I want to supernaturally get you unstuck. I want to supernaturally heal you. I want to supernaturally put you in a place that you're going to experience the gospel in your life. Sometimes he brings us to the point where it's like, listen, I'm going to deal supernaturally, miraculously with your sin and set you free there that you might actually come into eternal life and the life abundant that I have for you today. So we're starting with the end from the beginning. And in this particular instance, we have to ask ourselves, what are the three questions and what are the three responses that Jesus needed this man to come to grips with to enter into that healing? And I'd say that the first one the first one, well, I'll give you all three and then we'll go through them. The first one was ultimately, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? As we said, it's an interesting question, but Jesus asked it for a reason. He said, do you want to be healed? 
after these many decade-long period of suffering in your life? Do you want to be healed? Secondly, they had to, he had to answer the question, who is Jesus and who is Jesus going to be in his life? And then thirdly, we'll see at the end of the story, is who did he tell? Who did he tell? Number one, do you want to be healed? Number two, who is Jesus? And then number three, who are you going to tell? Let's look at this together. So it's important to note that even though this man's condition had persisted for 38 years, potentially it was not there at his birth. Potentially it was there, not there at his birth. Whatever issue that he was dealing with. Has anybody ever been in a compromising situation before and had the results of sin as a result following you long after that? <laughs> okay, I have. I was a party kid. And so I had plenty of issues that followed me, baggage that followed me because of choices that I'd made while I was partying it up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on now. Maybe you've read about that before. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and I had issues that followed me because of my sin. And ultimately, what we see in this particular man's story is that with him, it had been so long that potentially... He didn't know or even remember life without that crippling paralysis. And how many of you have ever had a situation in your life caused by sin, but it began to identify you so much so and so long that you can't remember life without it? That you can't remember life without it. And so you began to be identified by that thing just like this particular man was. Just like this particular man was. But in this instance, this is the good news that Jesus, fully aware of the man's situation, he's omnipotent and yet poses the question to the man, do you want your situation to change? I know how you've identified yourself up to this point. I know what you have ultimately experienced up to this point. But I'm telling you, if you want to change, if you want to be healed, I can supernaturally, miraculously do something in your life that's going to set you free. And Jesus starts with the question, not am I able to do it, because Jesus knows he's able to do it. Not is he willing to do it. Jesus knows he's willing to do it. The reason that Jesus showed up is to reveal himself as the son of God who came to take away the sin of the world. He says, I'm able to do it. I'm willing to do it. I want to do it. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? And I've talked to people over the years and they have gotten used to the sympathies that have come along with the brokenness. They've gotten used to the, is that me? <laughs> they got used to not only the sympathies, but they got used to the things that came along with being identified with the brokenness. Do you know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, even when people are like, listen, here's a solution, or I can help you out of this situation, they would rather cling to the helplessness and the hopelessness that they're used to rather than actually doing something different to actually be set free and healed. And this is what this man is ultimately dealing with, right? 
When Jesus said, do you want to be healed? How did the man immediately respond? He said, listen, there's this pool. There's this pool and I'm crippled, right? And I have, number one, I'm helpless. I have no one to help me into the pool. I have no one to help me into the pool. Jesus, I would love to, but I can't get there. And what we know about that particular um, uh, area is that there was an understanding that at least some of the people who entered into that pool were healed supernaturally. And he was like, I have no one to help me in, talking about his helplessness. And then he also talked about his hopelessness, right? Even when I try to go, I, I, you know, nothing happens. And Jesus didn't leave him in either his helplessness or his hopelessness. But he said, listen, if you would do what I say, you'll be a different man after this encounter with me. I want you to believe my word. I want you to take up your mat, pick it up, and go. I want you to take your mat, pick it up, and go. And the question is, would he respond to the three-part directive of the Lord? Would he believe, number one, for the impossible, number two, trust Jesus, and then number three, act on what he said? Even though he had known 30-plus years of his life as a cripple, would he believe him for the impossible? Would he trust Jesus? And then would he act on what he said? Would he act on what he said to see something different in his life? And the good news in this story is that the answer is yes. He demonstrates both faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. How many people know we need both? As a matter of fact, we know where our faith is by what we obey. Right? Because he says faith without works is dead. But we know what we actually believe by what we're choosing to do. And he says faith and obedience were his response and rising up, picking up the mat, and walking were the result of his decision. He trusted Jesus and his word. This man was able to experience the impossible immediately in his life because he responded to Jesus in this way. And what we've got to note is that it was a gift, not in any way earned by the man or caused by the pool in which the man had originally put his hope. You hear that? It was not a gift. It was a gift not earned by the man, nor was it caused by the pool in which he had originally put his hope. But it was Jesus, the Messiah, who worked the miracle in his life. The same Jesus that we have the opportunity to experience today. And in our context, we have to ask ourselves this question, are we aware of our own condition? Are we aware of our own condition? Because our culture has multitudes, multitudes of spiritually blind, lame, and paralyzed people. And it isn't the external like the multitudes of invalids by the pool, but the internal infirmity is literally all around us. And what we do is we make excuses similar to the man's that no one will help us or that it's someone else's fault that we're stuck. But Jesus meets us in that place and says, do you want And is that not challenging to anybody in here? It's challenging to me. 
do I want to get well? Anybody like me have stuff still that's going on in here? Going on up here? Hello, me. Yesterday was even a hard day. Can I say that to you? Yesterday was a hard day. Anybody ever feel like Eeyore? It's like, hey, guy, you know, hey, how you doing? People are springing around you. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Isn't it great outside? You want to go play? I guess. Is Pig like going to be there? <laughs> right? And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Great family, great friends, great church. What's going on? Anybody ever have moments like that? I'm not alone? Okay, good. Thank you. And Jesus in that moment can ask me, do you want to be well? He doesn't condemn us for having tough times. How about that? Did he condemn that man? Did he condemn that man? Maybe you've been in a circumstance or an environment or a church before where they condemned you for the struggles that you have. But let me tell you, that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Jesus doesn't, just, Jesus doesn't condemn his people when his people struggle. He looks to help his people when they struggle. He looks to come alongside and be the lifter of our heads. And he didn't condemn that man saying, why you been here these 30 plus years? He said, do you know your condition and do you want to get well? I can help you. If you just come to me, trust me, believe and obey what I say. Do we respond like the man and limit God's intervention in our own understanding and knowledge? We aren't sitting by a pool, but we may be looking for healing to come from therapeutic means when our healing really isn't about that. Nothing wrong with we believe in counseling, we believe in medicine, as I was talking to you about last week, we believe in all these things. But it may be that, that it's not those things that are keeping us bound, but it might be about acknowledging our sin and responding in obedience. It might be about acknowledging our sin and responding in obedience. So the question is, what are the pools we're sitting by and what places are we looking to for our healing when the one who heals is ultimately right in front of us? You had to ask the question, answer the question rather, do you want to be healed? Second question you had to answer is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus and who is he going to be in my life? Who is this Jesus, right? Even the Apostle Paul, it's not the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Peter ultimately got questioned by Jesus himself on that point. Hey, Peter, who do the people say I am? Am I just a good teacher? Am I just a good prophet? Or am I actually the Messiah, the Son of God? He said, well, they said various things. Jesus said, and he said to Peter, okay, well, what about you, Peter? Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am, Peter? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Peter, because that hasn't been revealed to you by men, but by my father in heaven. Who do you say he is and what is he able to do in your life? At the time of his healing, this man was unaware of Jesus' identity. 
And when he first speaks to Jesus, he calls him sir. <laughs> Anybody got some, you know, home training? <laughs> okay. And if you speak to somebody in authority, you're going to, like, address them as sir or ma'am. You don't have to be Southern for that. It's just respect, right? And he was saying, like, listen, sir, I'm responding. He didn't know who he was, but when asked by the Jewish religious leaders who had commanded him to get up and walk, it's recorded that the man doesn't know who healed him. What the man does know is that he was told, then was able to pick up his bed and walk. He would have known his healing came from obedience to the one giving him direction and not from getting himself into the pool. Jesus ultimately comes to us even before we know it's him. And for anybody in here, <laughs> that's the good news of our story, right? This whole thing about, you know, seekers, people seeking God. Let me tell you, if you are seeking God, it's only because he's come looking for you. And in this instance, before he knew who Jesus was, Jesus is working to reveal himself as the son of God and bring himself to this man to himself. And the man's revelation happens in verse 14 when they reconnect in the temple and Jesus reveals himself to the man knowing the man's prior sin. Jesus proclaims, see, you are well. You are well. I physically healed you. Now go and sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. So Jesus ultimately says that he's not only the man's healer who makes him well and whole, He's also the way to abundant life if the man would obey his commands. You see Jesus showing that? He says, listen, I don't want to just physically heal you. I'm life and life to the full. I'm ultimately, he would say, I'm the resurrection and the life. But he's showing him through his commands how to live life to the full. He says, but you've got to choose to obey me. And if you were asked, how would you answer this question of who Jesus is? Would you answer the question that he's just a good teacher, that he's just a good prophet, or would you actually say that he is Lord and master of all? And not just Lord and master over heaven and earth itself, but Lord and master in your life. Is he actually Lord and master in your life? Or is he somebody who you've just been privy to hearing his teachings, hearing his about his miracles, hearing his suggestions, and you end up in the same spot because though you hear and are willing to imbibe the good news that comes about his life and story, you're not willing to do what he says. In this instance, Jesus says, listen, it's not enough that I'm going to heal you, but I'm telling you, do what I say that nothing worse might happen. The things that I'm telling you to leave, leave, and leave for good. And let me tell you, if you feel powerless to do the things that Jesus is saying to do, even so much that he says, listen, for some of you, it's cutting off your access to certain things that are just constantly defiling your mind and spirit because of what you set your eyes on. For some of you, it's a relationship that's contaminating your very relationship with God. For some of you, it's going to the same bar over and over again when you know that literally your temptation is drunkenness that overcomes you. And Jesus is like, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. 
cut it off. It's better that you go into eternal life maimed than you enter with your whole body in hell. And you feel powerless to cut it off. But let me tell you, if you would just like this man believe and choose to obey him, let me tell you, <clears throat> God will never leave you without the help that you need to obey him by faith. Do you hear that? God will never leave you without the power of his word, his spirit, and then a community around you that will cheer for you day after day after day after day until you make it into the promised land. You see, the Bible says that though a man may fall seven times, seven times he gets up again. Why? Because in this life of sanctification, God doesn't leave us to ourselves. But part of the miracle that he works is he says, listen, number one, the miracle of the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, but then there's an ongoing championing of the purposes of God in your life until that miracle sees its fruition. And so the encouragement to you is if you've started and gotten discouraged, don't give up. Don't give up. Take up your mat, pick it up, and walk. Today, you can walk today. Not tomorrow, not two years from now, not three years from now, today. You believe that? You can take up your mat and walk today. Why? Because Jesus says you can. The question is, is Jesus the one that we turn to when we sin or we're in need. We can't lose the facets of our miracle-working Savior just because there are other means available to us. This should build our faith and root our perspective in him. And it's Jesus' presence and his word that perform miracles. He is not only Savior, but he's Savior when he is Lord. So the third question that the man had to ask, answer is not just... Do you want to be healed? Number two, not just who is Jesus, but number three, who's he going to tell? Right? Sounds like Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? <laughs> right? I'm going to tell somebody about what he's done in my life. Because how many people know that in, even in Revelation, it says that they were able to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Let me tell you something. When I testify about what Jesus has done in my life, you know what I'm doing? I'm putting on public display the faith that I have, saying, hold me accountable to this. It's almost like when we get baptized, right? It's not a private thing, but it's a public thing. That when you repent, you are actually going into the waters publicly of baptism, proclaiming that you're dying with Christ and by your faith in the power of God being raised into the freedom of Christ by his resurrection from the dead. And every time you're testifying after you are baptized, you are declaring, this is what I'm standing on by faith in him. I'm standing on the healing that he's provided for me. Did it go perfectly yesterday? By no means. However, it says that God's mercies are new every single morning. And great is his faithfulness towards me. And so I'm standing in his righteousness from beginning to end until I see him face to face because his miracle working power is the same. 
And if you missed it yesterday, it doesn't mean that it's not available to you today. You hear that? Just like this man, for 30 plus years, he was waiting on his miracle. But Jesus showed up and said, today's your day, baby. Today is your day. And the question again was, does he, do we want to be healed? But what I hear in my spirit is a resounding yes. Anybody got a yes in them? Yeah, come on now. You can clap. Yes. A resounding yes. I want to be healed. And unlike other encounters where the receiver of a miracle goes to tell other fellow villagers, this man goes to the Jews to declare it was Jesus who healed them. Now, was this report and to absolve the man of the Jewish dissonance, or was this to enlighten them and offer them the knowledge of Jesus as well? We don't know. But we do know that he had the courage and immediate response to ascribe what happened to the correct person. It's Jesus who healed me. I'm going to ascribe that miracle to Jesus. And you know what? If Jesus was the one who healed me now, Jesus is the one who can heal you. Jesus is the one who can heal others who are broken, paralyzed, stuck in their sin, stuck in their ways. I'm not going back to my own life. See, let me tell you something. Anybody, whenever you actually have that answer of yes in your heart, what you're declaring again about that sin that he says for you to leave and not go back to is this, that, that might have been my history, but that's not going to be my story. I'm testifying to you because I'm saying that's going to be part of my history, but it's not my story going forward. And every time I tell somebody, I'm saying, listen, I am going to live in the miracle power of God as a changed man. I don't care what my family line had in it. I don't care all the generational things. That mark my family. I don't care all of the things that are filling my society and trying to suck me down with it. You hear me? Anybody ever feel that way? You're trying to swim upstream in this culture. Surrounded by the things that are plucking at your mind, your will, your emotions. And God's like, no, 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 no. Every time you testify, not just to family and friends, but to those who would oppose you, you're testifying, I'm going to be different. So if you've made that declaration, anybody make a New Year's resolution that you already broke? <laughs> you know, come on, be honest now. Me? <laughs> I was like, dang. <laughs> well, 2024, it's come soon enough. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but how about this? Let's forget our New Year's resolutions and just remain in Jesus. Because ultimately, if we abide in him and he in us, we'll be able to do exactly what he says and experience his miracle power day after day after day. And though sin might be crouching at your door, desiring to have you, God says, I'll teach you to master it. <laughs> Who will we tell? And how will we tell our story? Our answer to these questions reveal... Not the beginning of our story, but ultimately the end of our story. And then that good news. God's not talking to us always about our beginning. He's always trying to lead us to where you're ending up. That's what God cares about. Not where you begin, where you're going to end up. And the most important of these being 
where will your story end? Will it end with eternal life? Will it unfold with life abundant? Our answers are important, and this story is ultimately good news. It's ultimately too good not to share, and we can't help but make God known when we receive his miracle power in our life. So the question for all of us today is, where you been? Have you been stuck? And do you need a miracle to break through in your life today? Maybe it is just a physical thing like the man who was paralyzed. But maybe it's something deeper. Maybe it's something that's unseen, the silent killers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? things that if people looked at you they'd be like oh they're perfectly fine but in the soul there's a raging storm there's torment there's shackling you feel paralyzed well Jesus said if you come in today and answer those questions number one do you want to be healed number two who is he and then number three who are you going to tell to work a miracle in your life to move you never the same amen, amen. let's pray Father, we thank you that you've given us your word to encourage us into eternal life with you as the Son of God, showing yourself as the Messiah and strong enough to deal with any situation, issue, sin that's been besetting us. And Lord, we thank you that the greatest miracle of all was not only your sinless life and your death at the cross, but your resurrection from the dead showing that not only could we be made new men and women but that God we could live in that resurrection life and God I'm praying for every man and woman in here today Father people who might have said you know what I've even believed in Jesus I've given my allegiance to Jesus but truth be told I've been like this paralyzed man paralyzed man who's begun to identify more with my sins, more with my trappings than I have with the miracle work in Christ. But I say today, I want to say yes to you, Jesus. I want to pick up my mat by faith, obey you, whatever you say to do, and walk on out with you. And if there's anyone in here who says, you know what, I've been like this paralyzed man, I've not wanted to live this way. I've not wanted to identify my, this, myself this way. But you know what? I, there's nothing I could do up to this point. But today, I have faith for something different. I believe God could make me a new man in him, a new woman in him. If that's you, let me pray for you. Could you raise your hand? I want to pray for anyone who's still stuck. Okay, anyone else? Father, release your supernatural power and grace today by the Spirit of God. God, we're praying that this moment would be a miracle moment. That God, I remember that day I was in a, on a college campus and walked into a Bible study one way and didn't know anything really about you but heard this good news. And God, I got so convicted of my sin that I was going around the room confessing it to everybody that I did not know. But God, you changed me in that moment because I put my faith in you in your miracle working ability to change me, to set me free. And God, I've been different, different ever since. 
And God, I pray that you would work the same miracle for those who are in here today. God, that this would be a historic moment for them, that they'd be marked by your intervention, they would be marked by your spirit setting them free. You would break shackles off of their thinking. God, I'm coming against the demonic thought. You said to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And so we take captive the thoughts today that say they cannot be different or things will continue to remain the same. And in the spirit, we break yokes in the name of Jesus. And God, we're asking you that you would bring them into the freedom of new life in you. And if there's anyone in here, whether in here or online, who says, I need to, for the first time, make Jesus my Lord, you can pray this prayer with me today and make sure that after the service you go to our prayer council so we can talk to you about next steps. Almighty God, I admit to you today that I've been a sinner. I know that I deserve death and hell, but I don't want it. And God, I thank you for loving me pursuing me and living the perfect life that I should have lived and on the cross dying the sacrificial death that I should have died and three days later according to that messianic promise you rose from the dead so that I could have not only forgiveness of sins but new life in you God make me a new creation today and teach me to love you and serve you the rest of my days in Jesus name Amen